Hello, and welcome to Letters from the Lunchroom, a podcast by Communities and Schools of Mid-America. I'm your host, Victoria Partridge. Communities and Schools is a nationwide nonprofit which connects students and their families to local resources in order to remove barriers so that they will have greater success in school and in life. During this podcast, we talk to people who have a relationship with our organization. From students to staff members and alumni to volunteers, we know that people who connect with nonprofits have a story that led them there, and we want to know that story. Today, we are talking with Jessica Pina, Development and Events Manager with CIS of Mid-America. Please join us as Jessica shares her CIS story, why she is an advocate for students who feel unheard, and how being a second-generation immigrant has impacted her life. Hi, Jessica, and welcome to the lunchroom. How are you doing today? Hello, uh, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really well, too. Thanks for asking. So if you would, please just take a moment and introduce yourself. Sure. My name is Jessica Pena. I am the Development and Events Manager here at uh, Communities and Schools of Mid-America. And yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to chat with you, too, and to get to know a little bit more about you. Um, I was wondering if before we kind of delve into your past, let's talk about your present and your future. So you just explained what your title is at CIS of Mid-America. Would you please explain sort of what that encompasses and what you're currently working on or looking forward to? Yeah, okay. So right now, I would say my title um, is pretty heavy on the events. I am doing a lot of event planning um, and uh, kind of work revolving around our 25th anniversary year. So if you did not know, this is our 25th anniversary year. Um, We're celebrating in in tons of different ways, um, mostly through um, kind of engagement with our community, um, mostly virtual because times are different right now. Um, So that's been a little bit of a learning curve, but I would say moving forward and looking to the future, um, we're going to be doing hopefully more in-person events to, you know, involve people within our community and just to, you know, get to know each other. Awesome. Okay. So, um, and if anybody wants to know more about the 25th anniversary events that are going on, you can just go to our website, cismidamerica.org. So now taking one step back from the current, let's talk about when you first heard about communities and schools. So do you remember that moment when you first heard about this organization? You know, I think that the first time I heard about communities and schools was um, I was working in a school. Um, I was basically a teacher's assistant um, and I was working in a math classroom in a high school in Kansas City. And um, I had a coworker that was talking about, um, she was doing an internship. And so she was coming to the end of her internship and she was talking about an organization called Communities and Schools. And she was saying that it was, you know, going to be a really good opportunity for her. She wanted to stay working in schools. um, And she just, she found this organization and thought that it was like the bee's knees. So, um, you know, she was really excited. She told us that's where she was applying. And um, yeah, so that was like the first time I heard about communities and schools. I didn't really learn much after that, you know, but um, I heard about it from her and she was so jazzed about it that, um, you know, when it kind of (laughs) came back around and I heard about communities and schools for the second time, I was like, oh, wow, like 
this organization does a lot of great work. Like, let me look more into it. Um, and then, yeah, ended up getting a position here. <laughs> so were you somebody, as you were growing up, were you somebody that was always interested in going into the field of nonprofits? Um, no, <laughs> to be honest, no. Um, I did not really have that on, like, on my horizons until I got to college. Um, and when I went to college, I was planning to study communications. Well, I did. I studied communications, um, something that my school called strategic communications, basically like advertising and public relations. Um, and yeah, so I, I was studying that. But um, as you know, kind of typical with college, you have a lot of time away from the classroom that you need to you know kind of figure out what to do. And I decided to join a service fraternity. Um, and my time working with the service fraternity just really opened my eyes to a lot, a lot more um, things that were going on in the world and more opportunities. And I think that's when I, when I decided that um, nonprofit work was something that I was interested in. And more specifically, I wanted to work in like an education-based setting. Oh, perfect. Um, so to be honest, I've never heard of a service fraternity. Can you explain <laughs> what that is? Yeah. So the service fraternity I was in, um, was called Alpha Phi Omega. Um, and while it does have Greek letters, it's actually not like Greek. Um, so it's not that sort of, you know, it doesn't have ties to like the Greek organizations. It just has Greek letters. <laughs> um, but so anyway, service fraternity is a, um, co-ed group of people that, um, has certain service requirements throughout each semester. Um, so the way that our fraternity worked is you would get points for doing different service um, projects and programs uh, in the community. So like some of my favorite things were um, doing Habitat for Humanity builds, um, going to play bingo at the local retirement home and um, tutoring. Uh, so I did a lot of tutoring at the local schools as well as became a uh, big sister with Big Brothers Big Sisters. Oh, awesome. Okay. So I'm starting to really get a picture of how you got to your current place. Um, so, but you said that you were working as a para before this. So what kind of happened between college and becoming a para? Were you going into that field because you were interested in the education part? Is that what happened? Yeah. So, um, when I was in college, you know, kind of in conjunction with joining Alpha Phi Omega and doing a lot of service in the community, um, I picked up a psychology minor um, and, and decided that I wanted to do something in that, you know, world and in that realm. So after college, um, I moved to Kansas City. I'm originally from the Philadelphia area, um, but I found myself in Kansas City. And so I started looking at different social services in Kansas City. Um, so I worked at one organization where I was doing kind of casework, um, and I was very hands-on with, with the clients that we worked with, um, and they were around my age, 18 to 25-year-olds. Um, so they were, you know, out of school, living, you know, trying to make, make life, um, make a life for, you know, themselves and for their families. And, um, one thing that I kind of noticed with, with a lot of the um, clients that I was working with were that they um, didn't have re a really good experience in, in education. Um, they, you know, felt as if they were not seen. 
Um, and that really resonated with me and pushed me more in the direction of um, education as opposed to um, like clinical psychology or counseling psychology. Um, so then I took steps to kind of figure out how our education system works and, and learn more about it. So like you said, I, I became like a teacher's assistant. I worked in um, a, a high school in Kansas City, Northeast High School. Uh, I did that for a year and then I moved on to becoming a um, teacher. So like a full classroom teacher. And I spent a year teaching English. And then I spent a year teaching English as a second language. Um, and, and really my motivation was to make sure that my students felt seen because I saw what can happen if students experience education and feel like they're not seen. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what led me to on that path. So what drew you to this specific role in communities and schools then? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so I think, uh, I think any educator will um, admit that the work is really hard. Um, being a teacher is really hard. And, you know, quick shout out to teachers that are teaching right now. Like right now is unlike anything that we've ever experienced. So, you know, shout out to you teachers. Um, but yeah, so being an educator is really difficult and um, students don't make it difficult. What makes it difficult is kind of everything else that you need to worry about and deal with. Um, and so I think that seeing that and knowing that I wanted to continue my growth, right? I wanted to continue um, trying to make education the best that it can be. Uh, and I thought that, that maybe it was time for me to apply some of the skills that I learned in college, like from my uh, strategic communications degree to kind of like further push education in the right direction. And I felt like the best thing that I could do is partner with an organization like Communities and Schools, you know, and further the work that they're doing because it's like really powerful to see what site coordinators do in schools to help, you know, bridge those gaps is like is really important. Not only are they supporting students, but they're supporting teachers and that's super powerful. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that right now is a weird time for teachers. It's a hard time for everybody. And um, so right now when we're recording this, we're recording this about 10 months into the COVID-19 pandemic. And what's particularly interesting about this is that you began working with communities and schools about six weeks before the pandemic shut down our offices and we all began working remotely. And so everything that you had been working on in person and all of the events that you were planning in person have all had to shift considerably. Um, however, I know that as you are coming up on your year anniversary with this organization, that um, there are some good things that have happened. And I'm curious, what are some of your favorite CIS memories so far? Well, yeah, um, that's, a, <laughs> that's a really good question because you're totally right. It's been weird because um, I did, like I started with this organization and it was, you know, quote unquote normal. I was going into the office and meeting people and then all of a sudden that just stopped. <laughs> so I think some of my favorite moments um, were like from the beginning of, of joining the organization, just the initial like 
greeting was wonderful. <laughs> um, people are just super open and accepting and um, wanted to make, sh make me feel welcome. And so reflecting back on this year, like that was super meaningful to me. Um, and then also um, we had a, a few like kind of cool moments, um, like when, when Ray became the CEO of Communities and Schools, I remember that moment and I remember everyone gathering in a little conference room, you know, obviously pre-COVID, um, and we watched like that happen and we watched him speak about his experience being, you know, a student that you know, received support from communities and schools and then to like see where he is now. I don't know. That was another really big moment because I wasn't experiencing it as an individual. I was experiencing it with the whole organization, you know, in a little room together. So that was really cool and really powerful. And everyone just had like a sense of like, like it was like a victory for everyone. <laughs> you know, it was, that's like the best way to describe it. it everyone just felt like it was a win. Yeah. It's still, I've forgotten about that moment, but it, like having you talk about it, it brings me right back there. Cause I was in that room with everybody and we were watching it on like zoom, um, because they were making the announcement to the entire, like to everybody, all of the offices across um, the United States. And it just gives me chills to think about it because to me, having a CIS student, a prior CIS student grow up and become the leader of this national organization just says so, so much on so many levels. Um, yeah. I feel like that's like why everyone does this work. Like yeah. that was just like a moment where everyone was like, yes, did it like success. This yeah. is why we do that work, you know? Yeah. And, um, and for people who are listening, if you haven't listened to the episode right prior to this, that is one that I did with Ray, who is now the national uh, CEO and president of Communities and Schools. So definitely go and check it out and you can learn more about what he is currently up to, um, especially in regards to the transition of leadership of uh, the country, because we do speak about that. And I think that's really uh, appropriate for this time as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, um, so that's really all that we're going to cover for the first part of the episode, but I do kind of feel like I'm maybe missing out on something. So I wanted to kind of take a couple minutes to just sort of maybe go off on my own little side project to dig into Jessica a little bit more, cool. if you don't mind. Yeah, that works. Um, so tell me about life growing up and whenever you were a little kid, like what did you want to be? Did you ever anticipate that you would grow up to be somebody who would be working to advocate for students? Um, hmm. Okay. Let me think on that one. Yeah. Sorry. Totally just pulled that out of the <laughs> air. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a really good question because I, I think that like later in my life, I guess, you know, like, like I said, college on, I kind of have a more clear path of what I wanted to do and kind of like where I ended up and why I ended up in those places. But, um, when I was younger, I don't know. Um, so I, I guess it's good to acknowledge that I come from like a, a household that is very immigrant focused. Um, and that, what I mean by that is that my grandparents, um, they immigrated here from Cuba. And um, so in my dad's household, right? Like when my dad was growing up, he was taught, um, 
like like a very immigrant uh, thought process. Like you need to work hard, you need to find the best paying job, and it doesn't really matter if you don't like it, you just have to do it. You have to work hard and you have to move up and you have to like be, achieve, achieve, achieve. And, and so I think that um, while that worked for my dad and, and he doesn't have any like negative feelings about his, you know, growing up, um, he, he did carry with him that he did not want that message to pass to his children. He wanted his children to know that they could do whatever they wanted and that instead of money and success, he wanted us to focus on our happiness. Um, yeah, so that was that was really nice um, to hear growing up. Like, you can do what you want to do. And, you know, like, there was a lot of conversation about, like, what makes you happy? Um, what What is important to you? And so I think that having that sort of freedom, I was able to do a lot of things to get to know myself. Um, yeah, so that I think, I think maybe that has something to do with it. Um, and then I, I won't lie, like, even though my dad tried to kind of get away from that um, achieve, 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 success, success, success mentality, it definitely bleeds through, you know, without, without um, knowing or like, subconsciously, it definitely bleeds through. So I think that that um, maybe steered my choice for what I wanted to do in college, right? Like that kind of steered me towards um, what degree I chose. Um, but then the also hearing over and over again that I should do something that makes me happy, that's what led me to choose a minor in psychology and, and decide that I wanted to pursue that further. And, um, you know, not valuing the, oh, I need to be like a corporate executive and more valuing, like what is going to make me feel good long-term? So I've actually never considered the immigrant thought process, at least not in the depth that you described, because I am not an immigrant um, and I don't have family uh, in like close generations of people that are immigrants. Um, but what I hear from you as you talk about the thought process is the evolution of it and how your grandparents, they immigrated for a better life. And then they, you know, they um, encouraged your parents to have a better life through uh, advancement within the workplace. And then your parents are encouraging you to have a better life through happiness. It's like your family keeps achieving these, these landmarks, basically, or milestones within the generations. And it's so cool to hear it from your perspective as somebody who, is it third generation, second generation? Um, I believe that it's second generation. Um, okay. Like it goes immigrant first, second. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, and so it's, to me, I think that, that that's really cool because it's like you guys keep what your grandparents were aiming to do is happening. <laughs> you know, everything that they came here to do is happening. And that hopefully whenever they see what their grandkids are achieving, that they are very fulfilled with the choices that they made. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's cool to hear it from your perspective as well. <laughs> like that's, yeah, you're right. That's cool. 
Well, and I also wonder if it has something to do with your thought process in regards to advocating for students who are unseen, because our immigrant students are a part of the population that sometimes may feel like they're unseen and or unheard due to cultural or language barriers. So I do wonder if part of that kind of plays into what you've decided to do with your life. I would say 100%, um, especially because I did transition from teaching English, you know, to uh, what we call mainstream students, then to teaching um, English language learners. And that was, I really enjoyed that shift um, because, yeah, I, I was teaching to students that really did need that extra layer of support and not just in like a linguistics way you know like not just not just that they needed extra support with their language but they needed extra support navigating um you know the culture the environment and and learning how to advocate for themselves um and just you know having someone that will advocate for them because sometimes they don't have the language or or the means to advocate for themselves so I would say, yes, you are definitely onto something there. Um, I think that I carry that with me and like recognizing that my par- my grandparents went through that struggle and not knowing a language and needing to find people that will help them and, you know, f- help them figure things out or help them um, with a language barrier or something. Um, so that's, yeah, that's always been important to me. Awesome. Well, I definitely feel like I've got a better idea of who you are. And I appreciate you letting me sort of, you know, go off on my own little whim to, to dig into you a little bit more without any kind of um, structure to it. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Okay, well, then we're going to take just a quick break. And um, we'll be back with a second serving of Letters from Lunchroom. So stay tuned. Welcome back. As part of our show, we ask each guest to write a letter to the students that communities and schools serves. The only guideline that they are given is that it must come from the heart. So Jessica, if you would, please share your letter. Yes. Okay. Hi, friends. Jessica here. Life is crazy. Right now, maybe more so than ever. I think everyone is feeling it. Friends, this is your reminder that it's okay to feel. It's okay to feel hurt. It's okay to feel scared. It's okay to feel angry. It's even okay to not know what to feel. All I ask is that you let yourself feel. You don't have to channel your feelings into something. Sometimes it's just okay to know they are there. Personally, I like to talk about my feelings. I will talk to people that I am close with and that I trust. Sometimes when I don't have someone around, I will write my feelings down in a journal. I know it sounds corny, but it kind of helps me release my feelings and move on to other things. If you're not sure who you can talk to or maybe want to learn more about journaling, reach out to your site coordinators. I can say from experience that we have some amazing site coordinators that will take time to listen to your feelings or help you gather what you need for a journal routine. Friends, I also want to ask you a favor. No matter what happens in life, stay curious. 
I fear that people are losing curiosity. I worry that people are keeping themselves in a box and choosing not to see outside. Don't let that happen to you. Ask questions. If you don't understand the answer, ask again. Question why things are the way they are. Find out what others think. Just stay curious. When I hear new things or find a topic that I want to learn more about, I research it. Research doesn't always have to be from books. I use YouTube, read news articles, and ask people around me. There are so many ways to find new information, so don't limit yourself. In case you didn't know, you are wonderful and you are smart. You impress the people around you even if they don't always know how to say that. Keep feeling your feelings and asking your questions. Stay safe, be well. Later friends. I love that. I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to unpack a couple things because I love it. Okay. Number one, love that you are um, encouraging people to stay curious and to ask questions, especially after my like semi-awkward transition during the first part of this episode to ask you more questions because I was curious. So I feel like I have like, I don't know, been uh, applauded for that choice that I made <laughs> prior to knowing what you were going to say in your letter. So yay. <laughs> um. But you know, you're also, you're so right too, because with all of us sitting around for 10 months in a box, essentially, we've all, all of our lives have been changed so dramatically due to COVID. And I do feel like a lot of our curiosity is gone and that stinks because that curiosity brings a lot of light to people's lives. And I think that encouraging people to stay curious and ask questions is really important and something that we, we definitely need. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said. Um, I think that COVID definitely has impacted it. And then just right now is, is a very different time for us, um, like politically as well. And, and I think that sometimes people kind of get trapped in their own ideas or like their own beliefs. And um, it's really important to try to reach across the aisle and like understand another person. Yes. Yeah. And you're never to a point where you should stop learning in my 100%. personal opinion. 100%. <laughs> I <Yeah>. agree. <laughs> yeah. We should always be striving to grow and evolve as humans constantly, forever. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, the other thing that I think is really important for all times of life, but especially now when things are particularly difficult is the letting yourself feel and reaching out to people if you have feelings that are difficult or that you are unsure of how to manage. Um, Because there's a lot of things going on right now and they've been going on for so long that it's really hard for people. And if anybody who is listening is having any kind of uh, struggles with their feelings or with their mental health, please know that there are resources out there to help. And if you have a CIS site coordinator, that is a resource that can definitely help you immediately. Um, Yeah, we do not want anybody out there struggling alone. Nobody should be alone. Um, And it's also okay to just not be okay. Yeah. And I think that that's something that um, our culture doesn't, um, we're not at the point where we accept that yet. And um, it's important to know that like sometimes you are just going to be in a bad place and 
And it's okay. It's okay that you're in a bad place. No one's telling you that you need to fix yourself. No one's telling you that you need to, you know, be better or put a smile on or whatever. Like, it's okay to not, not be okay. Um, of course, like you said, we want to work with you and, and try to make you feel better or, or whatever you need. But, um, you know, we have feelings and it's natural to have feelings. There are going to be feelings that are up high and feelings that are down low. And that's just how life works. So it's okay. It's okay to feel. Absolutely. And because everybody is going through a lot of feels these days, I think it's also important that we talk about grace, not just to um, other people during a time where we have a global pandemic and we have people who are dealing with extreme anxiety, depression, but then we also have, um, you know, a change in our political system and that just brings forth a lot of feels. And so I think grace is really important to other people and to ourselves. And I know that's something that we talk about a lot internally within communities and schools of mid-America is offering grace. And it's one of my favorite things about working with this, this organization is such a safe environment to, to learn and to make mistakes and to grow. And I think that's really important that we need to extend that kind of um, behavior and thought process out into real life. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that totally. Um, and I think that sometimes it's natural for people to extend grace to the people around them or the people that they love, um, but maybe harder to extend that grace to yourself. And so like, just another reminder that like, if they deserve grace, so do you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You should be your number one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which is hard. I think that some of us struggle with it, but it like, it can be done. <laughs> yeah. And I totally get it. A lot of us that work in the nonprofit field, putting ourselves as number one is very difficult. Um, on top of that, I'm also a solo parent. So putting myself as number one has been something I've really had to learn. But the truth is, is that you cannot pour from an empty cup. You have to take care of yourself first before you can take care of others. Yeah. Just like the airplane metaphor, right? Like you exactly. need to put your mask on before you can help even your child. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just true. If that's how it is. Yeah. So now that you have um, read your letter aloud, uh, what is it that it makes you feel? Uh, Well, honestly, I feel good that I read it. (laughs) I feel good good that I shared it with others. Um, Because it, it does, like, these two topics are topics that are very important to me and, and something that um, I try to really live um, like allowing others to have feelings and express feelings. And I, I will say that I will push people to express their feelings and to feel their feelings. Um, and then also just, um, encouraging curiosity encouraging questions and, and wondering and research and, and learning. Um, so, so yeah, it just feels good to share those two like aspects of my life. Did you find it difficult to write the letter and determine what topics you were going to focus on? Absolutely. (laughs) I definitely had a difficult time writing it um, because I feel like there's so much that I would want to say to students, um, especially because of, I mean, we've said it over and over again, but especially because of the time that we're in right now, it's just unlike anything we've ever experienced. Um, you know, at least in my lifetime, I can I can say that pretty confidently. Um, 
And so I feel like there's a million and one things that I could say to students or that I want to say to students. And it was really hard to narrow that down. Um, and then I wanted it to be like organically me. And yes. so I, I don't know, I think I, I struggled with that a bit just because I was like, all right, well, like how, how should I have this come across? You know, um, what, what, terminology should I use or like what phrasing should I use and I really just resorted to like back to my time in the classroom and I always address my students as friends um so yeah <laughs> I just I guess I just channeled my teaching days well I love it I think it came across very authentic good <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> yeah Okay, so we are going to um, wrap up that second portion of our episode and take another quick break and then we'll be right back for some extra credit. And we're back. Okay, Jessica, are you ready for some extra credit questions? I think so. Okay, your first one is, what is one of your favorite songs to sing to on the radio? Oh my gosh, wow. I wasn't <laughs> expecting such a hard-hitting question. <laughs> this is what the people really want to know. <laughs> um, you know, okay, so when I was younger, I used to sing along to the radio, and um, my brother totally told me that I should never do that again. So I don't <laughs> sing along Ouch. to songs. I, I know, right? It was a tough burn. Um, I don't, I don't really sing along to songs that much, but, um, you know, here's an embarrassing little side note. Um, I, I do not have TikTok, but I feel like TikTok has now infiltrated all other social media platforms, uh -huh. right? So there is a TikTok song and it goes like chicken wing, chicken wing, hot dog and bologna. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's more to it, but I'll spare you. Um, and I sing that all the time, just all the time. Yes. Even now, uh, I'm getting side eye from from Gabe, my significant other, uh, that is a little disappointed in me right now. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm so excited. I'm actually gonna Google search it as soon as we're done with this podcast because <laughs> I I want to know what exactly you're talking about. <laughs> you might regret it because I feel like it will just stay in your brain all day. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So your second question is, if you could pick one superpower to have, what would you choose and why? Um, I've actually thought about this question quite a bit. Um, I would choose to be really, really small, like have the ability to shrink. Like Ant-Man? Yes. Um, so I think that the world would turn like instantly turn into a jungle gym, which would be like really fun, you know, like yeah. I could just, I don't know. It would just be like a lot of fun climbing and playing. And I think that would be really awesome. Um, and then I like the idea of reading minds, but I think that it would get too loud. Um, so if I got really, really small, I could kind of like spy on people and they wouldn't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I need to ask, have you seen the movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Yes, I have actually. They did not enjoy the experience of being small, but I think I would. <laughs> I mean, I remember watching that whenever I was younger and it did seem 
like such a cool experience because you know the grass becomes these giant slides and you know uh the little debbie or hostess oatmeal cream pie whatever the brand is um is now so huge and uh, i mean that does sound really lovely yeah but then again you know lawnmowers and such pretty scary yeah good point good point you know just be careful (laughs) yes you'd have to be extra cautious yes so your final extra credit question is what is the number one reason why you feel that people should get involved with communities and schools um students i think that getting involved with communities and schools means that you are getting involved with students and you are impacting their education and their well-being um so yeah, I mean, if you just drop everything else, I think that more people should take time to impact students and communities and schools gives you a great avenue to do so. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jessica. It was really great getting to know you and to hear your story. Thank you. It was fun. And thank all of you for joining us on this episode of Letters from the Lunchroom. For more information on communities and schools of Mid-America, please check out our website at cismidamerica.org. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, leave us a rating, and follow us on social media at CIS MidAmerica. I'm your host, Victoria Partridge, and until next time, class is dismissed. I'm